don't think any of us need any persuasion that sin grows. Whenever someone falls into sin, inevitably that leads them down into deeper, deeper problems. A very simple example of a person who tells a lie. Very soon they're telling a second lie to cover up the first and things spiral downwards from there. So it has been from the very beginning when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. The cycle of resistance to the devil is broken down and he gains an upper hand. And it can only be arrested. The upward spiral can only begin when you put yourself in the hands of Jesus Christ. Take his power and follow him. And we see this downward spiral again in Genesis chapter 4. Adam and Eve have fallen into sin. We've already begun in the previous chapter to note the recriminations that come between husband and wife. He blames her and she blames the serpent. But ultimately trust is gone. Now sin deepens further as Cain kills his very blood brother Abel. And and that leads to further sin. And we note the line of Cain. 5 verse 20, however, is a text that we should bear in mind. Where sin increases, grace increases all the more. And even as we come today to think a little bit more about Cain and God's uh, coming to him and dealing with him, we will see that this is true. God, in confronting Cain, does so graciously. Even as he falls into this sin, God's grace is still there. Let me just recap last time. Sorry, Adam showed him, spoke of woman as Eve, the mother of all living. He expressed faith in that way. Eve herself then did bring forth the man. And she says, from God I have gotten me a man. And she even saying that had her eye on the seed. The seed who would bring change and renewal. Then of course Abel was born and the two brothers bring their offerings. And the result of their attitude in those offerings was that the Lord received Abel's offering but not Cain's and that inflamed this man in his anger his anger against God and so God and challenge him and in verse 7 we have a very telling challenge and it's here we are picking up today first of all let us think about how God deals with Cain Having found that God did not accept his offering, he is downcast, he is angry, he is full of his own self-importance. He's more or less saying to God, why did you not receive what I brought? It was good enough. I, I brought you what I thought was appropriate. And as God speaks to him, it is God's purpose as the righteous God to try and turn Cain 
away from his anger and to do what is good. Here God is acting in mercy. God could easily have said, well, you're an angry against me. You've rebelled against me. You have not shown any concern except about yourself. And he could have banished him and cut him off at that moment. But that is not how the gracious God works. God came to Cain with a question. He says to him, Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And he is by that question seeking to provoke thought. He wants Cain to examine his life and consider what is it that is right. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And God, even in the framing of the question, as so many in Scripture, is telling, of course you'll be accepted. But he's causing him to think about his ways. And he ought to have responded to the Lord by asking, Lord, what is right? Or he ought to have looked at himself and asked, Lord, what have I made fault? Where is my wrongdoing in bringing this offering? And the Lord would have shown him a heart that was not right. And so God challenges Cain through the question that he asks him that he might be turned. Cain is outside the very ple- God's pleasure. He is rejecting God. He is a reproach. And yet God still mercifully speaks to him. Cain, you need to think about your ways. I have a book on my bookshelves called Questioning Evangelism. That doesn't mean we question the act of evangelism. We know we should evangelize. It's actually, its thesis is that to evangelize, to speak to someone, it's good to ask them questions. Sometimes we're so burdened about getting the message across, we, we talk to them. And the book is really saying, ask them questions. And that is a way what God does here. He's asking a question. Cain, do you not think if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. And there's many opportunities we have, maybe if you're speaking to someone, when you can ask them a question, to cause them to look at their own lives, to think about their own ways, and to get them to see that if they just thought the thing through, they would come back to God, maybe with another question, as Cain should have done, what is the right way? There are times in life When we are rebuked by the word and we realize we have not been accepted by God. Perhaps you're not truly yet a Christian born of the Spirit of God and you keep hearing that God is displeased with your sin. And God is really saying to you, do what is right and you will be accepted. And he's saying to you, question what is the right thing? And of course the answer to the question is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But in his own life and ministry Jesus provoked questions in others sometimes by asking them direct questions. We think of a man like the rich young ruler 
who was provoked to a question because of the way in which Jesus taught and spoke. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He comes back to Jesus with his question. Now we don't know what happened to him, but Jesus certainly pointed out his need. You're rich. Go and give all you have to the poor. and Come and follow me. And that got to the very root of the man's problem. Cain needed to ask the question, what is it that I need to do that's right? The Lord would have shown him. Or think of another who came to Jesus at night, Nicodemus. A man who Jesus spoke with and he was caused to ask of Jesus after their con- in the midst of their conversation, how can a man be born again? And in another way, he's really simply asking, what must I do What must I do to be right? And Jesus says you must be born again. You must believe in the Son of God. Sadly, Cain doesn't ask the question in response. Rather, he becomes maybe more angry. He certainly doesn't respond in a positive way. Where are you? Is God asking you to think about your life? Is he asking you to assail and saying to you, ask what's the right way and I will instruct you. As we think about this challenge to Cain, he goes on to challenge him and to back up his question with these words. And here we have the challenge more, even more directly. Sin is crouching at your door. He paints the picture for Cain. He says there are, there are ways open to you. You can ask me what is the right way or you can take heed that sin is crouching at your door and it is ready to devour you. Just look what God says in that text. If you do what is right, you'll be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Friends, that's true of every single one. If you're outside of Jesus Christ today, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. That means it desires to swallow you up, to keep you on the broad road that leads to utter destruction. And the reality is that you and I must recognize that that is true. If we don't do what is right, if you're not doing what the Word of God says, you're walking in the path of sin. And the only way in which that will result is death and the second death and to be cut off from Jesus. And perhaps some of us, all of us in fact who are believers, need to take heed of this because for us too, sin is crouching at the door. There is a decision to be made. There's a way to go. There's a commitment to be made. We either do what is right, following Jesus Christ, or we allow ourselves to be taken by Satan and to be taken down the way of destruction. 
And when I was thinking about this, the picture came to mind of that young man in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 5. And there's a foolish young man. And there he is going down the street. And of course, who is in the street? Uh, painted and loud and enticing, but the prostitute, the adulteress, and she is beckoning him and inviting him in. Sin is at his very door. What does he do? In his weakness, he falls into her trap and he goes in. And of course, it's a disaster for him morally and in every way. But there are many times that sin is crouching at her door in far lesser circumstances. Could be to cheat or to lie, to, to thinking that you'll make life easier that you'll smooth over some difficulty by not doing exactly what is right in the sight of God. Friends, sin desires to have you. Satan wants to corrupt you and take you away from truth. You must do what is right. In fact, Jesus says, you must master sin. How appropriate this is as we look forward to coming next week to the Lord's table. A time when you ought to be examining your life. Have you allowed sin to master you? Because if you're walking in sin, if your life keeps on going down that selfish road, it has mastered you. But Jesus And in his word would have you master sin. And that's what the Lord says to Cain. You must master it. But wait a moment. You can't. Cain couldn't. And I can't. What you need in your utter helplessness. And what Cain needed to do was to come on his knees and cry out, Lord, I can't do anything. I am worthless. I have nothing to offer. Help me. And the only way you and I can defeat sin is to come to the foot of the cross to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, you have mastered sin. You have defeated Satan. You have risen from the dead. Your blood was shed to cover me. Accept me and empower me by your strength to do what is right and guide and show me what is right. Have you asked Jesus to do that in your life, to guide you and help you and lead you and direct you? Here then is how God challenges Cain and in that he challenges us. Secondly, and the next points will be more brief, but here we have God confronting Cain. Then, Of course, we have the scenario where Cain goes out and kills his brother. He hasn't asked God what he needs to do. He allows his resentment and his anger to grow against God so that then it consumes him and he kills Abel. And God comes to him and confronts him. And he says to him, listen. Listen, Cain. What's he listening for? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Cain, you may have killed him, but the very blood that you have shed cries out. And God confronts him, 
straight on with his sin. He, Cain, might have thought he had silenced his brother, but not so. God saw it and heard the very blood that was shed crying out. We might say in our context, even today, does the blood of the unborn not cry out to the living God, Lord? Will you not deal with these wicked people who would take away the life from the womb? What a terrible thing it is to fall into sin and be absolutely confronted with God knowing every detail of your wickedness. And for Cain it gets worse because God then pronounces the judgment on him. You are banished. You are going to have to work the ground, but the ground is not going to yield up its crops. The ground that swallowed up the blood of your brother is going to be a difficult thing for you. And you'll be a restless warrior, a wanderer in all the earth. Friends, make no mistake. You cannot hide your sin from God. And there is only one way for you to cover over your sin and find acceptance with God. And it will not be by your own activities. It will simply be by being trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord. You might try to do all kinds of things thinking that God won't see. But he will see. And you and I need to hear the message of the gospel every single day. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn away from your sin and believe in Jesus because there's no other way to master sin nor overcome sin. Seek the Lord while he may be found and the day will come when it will be too late. Who knows what a day will bring forth Day and daily we hear of people in the prime of health or even in later years and keeping fit and well and suddenly they are taken. Who's to say God may not demand your life of you? Are you going to wait till it's too late? Humble yourself and cry out, God is confronting you with your sin as he confronted Cain. He says, I know everything you have done, every sin you have committed, every error. You deserve nothing, but he graciously applies the gospel. And that's something you and I need to realize. We are in the days of God's grace. He delays his hand that the gospel might be preached. God is dealing graciously with Cain. He is showing him his errors that he might be changed. Of course, he doesn't change. That leads me thirdly just to speak about how God does care for Cain. He announces the punishment. And what does Cain say? Lord, it's too much for me. My punishment is more than I can bear, he says. You're driving me from the land. You've hidden me from your presence. Cain is beginning to understand that to be hidden from the presence of God is an awful thing. To be outside of God in the blackness where there is no light of his truth is hell itself. And he says, more than that, someone is going to come and kill me in revenge for what I have done. I am, Cain might say, I'm a marked man and, and my brothers may take vengeance. And how does God care for Cain? He says, not so. 
I mark you, and you'll be a restless wanderer, but nobody will take your life. Nobody is going to come and kill you. What the mark of Cain was is a matter of pure speculation. None of us knows what that mark was, but that God marked him and had his hand upon him and cared for him in that way is true and it's real. If anybody was going to find him, they would know that they were not to kill him and indeed he would be avenged. God, however, cares for Cain in this way. And if God had not cared for him, he might well have been struck down so that he had no offspring, no family to come after him. Friends, if God cares for Cain, marking him, he has cared for you and me and shown his grace and mercy in a far deeper loving way. For he did not spare his own son, but he sent Jesus Christ into the world to die for you. He cares for you. He desires that you will come to him and worship him and honor him and bring glory to his name. What do you deserve as a sinner from the hand of God? What do you deserve? Nothing. We deserve to be shut out from his care and his presence. We deserve to be in Cain's shoes. Yet here you are hearing the message of truth with opportunity of repentance and believing and life eternal in him. The Lord cared for Cain and he cares so much for people today. Cares for our nation even though People are rejecting him right, left and centre and ignoring his word and playing uh, loose with life itself. God cares for them. We are still here preaching the word, the message they need to hear. Repent and believe. Lastly, I want you just to note that God continues with Cain. Why did Cain get married and have family? How was he able to have family? Because God was with him. Make no mistake, every newborn child is a gift of God, given of God. The very conception is an act of God. It is a miracle of God. Sin may have mastered this man, but God still continued watching over him, being gracious toward him, allowing his family to be built, even though And in the rest of Scripture, this family are always those who are against God. They are sinners. And that comes, we see the spiral of sin descend even further with Lamech as he violently kills and even boasts about killing a young man for injuring him and says he will be avenged 77 times if Abel's death is avenged seven times. But here's the point. God was still in control. God was watching over them. Sometimes we talk about this as God's common grace. We might say of the murderer, of the wicked, of the people around us who are so corrupt, why does God allow it? It's because of his common grace and mercy. 
that they might yet hear. Why do those people be able to get up in the morning and go to work and do all that they do? Because God still continues. They are in his hand, even though they're rebelling against him and then their corruption know nothing of him. Why does a kingdom that murders the unborn so callously not fall under God's immediate judgment and be cast out? Because God is continuing until the day will come. The day of his judgment. That will be the day when he will continue no more to strive with the wicked. But they will answer before him. So God challenges Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. Do what is right. May we be challenged. God confronts Cain with a sin. He confronts us with sin. He says, you need to deal with that. He cares for him. Puts his mark on and he cares for us by sending his son. We thank God that he continues in this world. He continues yet ruling over the lives of the wicked that they may yet praise him. Think about the cross. What a wonderful example of God continuing with man. He continued with the wicked, godless people even though they crucified the Son and he turned their wicked actions to be the life of his people. What grace, what grace of God towards the rebel. What mercy in him. What grace to us in the good news of the gospel.